I try not to look over the ledge on our right. Even if I tried, I wouldn't be able to see the bottom. We've come too far to turn around now. The only way out of the canyon is to move forward. Leaning in toward the cliff face on our left, away from the ledge just inches to our right, we carefully step our way over the decrepit bridge, one by one. There is no room for error. If we slip, we will probably die after a long fall. Now it is my turn to cross. There is no time to think. I just need to start walking. I put one foot in front of the other and lean in toward the wall, away from the ledge. Welcome back to Nature and Science for Kids. I'm Moose Jaw Matt, and this is our final episode of a three-part series about the Grand Canyon. I want to share some experiences I had from a backpacking trip in the Grand Canyon nine years ago. Backpacking is an outdoor activity where you fill a large backpack with everything you'll need to survive for a certain amount of time, then go out into the wilderness to enjoy. My wife and I got it into our thoughts that we wanted to go backpacking in the Grand Canyon and not just for a night or two, but five days. I began doing research and found a terrific hike that is secluded and challenging. Secluded means that it is away from other people and quiet. That's exactly what we wanted, a section of the Grand Canyon all to ourselves. Now is the culmination of a year of planning. We are meeting up with four other friends and family members in Phoenix. Altogether, we will be a group of six hiking from the top of the canyon down to the Colorado River at the bottom. We begin the long drive to the canyon, going higher and higher in elevation. The landscape, which had seemed open and filled with large, red-colored buttes, is becoming more barren. A butte is a large, flat-topped rock with steep sides. With each mile, cacti and sagebrush blur past our windows. Cacti it just means more than one cactus. And always, there are sand and rocks. Today is the morning of our hike. It is March and cold. Yes, Arizona does get cold. A magical touch is added. It's snowing. As we meander down the first descent, we come upon a patch of ice in the shadow of a cliff. Snow and ice, which are blocked from the sun, take longer to melt than when out in the warming rays of the sun. This ice is slick, so we carefully step our way along, wondering if this trip will be more treacherous than we originally thought. Will we need spikes to strap to our feet, called crampons, we question. They would certainly make this ice easier. Nonetheless, we pass across without sliding off the cliff. Slowly, the grandness of the canyon opens before us with its indescribably immense size. I think back to when I had researched the canyon, watching videos, reading articles, and looking at numerous pictures. At some point in it all, I became concerned that I wouldn't appreciate the canyon when I saw it. How could it still wow me after seeing it on a computer or a smartphone screen hundreds of times? 
It seems such a silly and small question now with the canyon before me, beneath me, and all around me. The beauty and size are staggering to my senses. It's as if I had never seen it before. Much like a relationship with God, you hear about His love and you think you know all about it. You may wonder how it could still amaze you after hearing it so many times, but to really experience God and know His love in an intimate way makes such questions seem silly and small. To spend time with a God who has no end is grand, immense, and never at all. If you ever feel bored with God, it means you aren't experiencing Him. Like looking at the Grand Canyon on a tiny phone screen, now actually being in the real thing all around me, is like hearing about God's love in a story, then getting to know Him personally. The shadows are growing long, and we have miles to go before we can set up camp. But our biggest hurdle of the day looms before us. Not up, but down before us. This section has a name. Not really a good sign to our sore legs. Cathedral Stairs. Right now, I would prefer the elevator. I'm tired. But we didn't come here for this to be easy. There's nothing to do but get to it. For two hours, we step down, down, down. Sometimes the trail seems invisible up ahead. We wonder if the trail got swept down over a cliff by accident. If the map weren't showing me that a trail was actually up ahead, I might not believe it and turn around. But as I keep going, it always leads me on. It amazes me. There really is a trail here. God leads us to places we cannot see if we faithfully follow him believing that he does not make mistakes, relying on the Bible like a map. Even as I hike this trail, so many things in my life have changed. Certain bad music I thought I could never live without is no longer a part of my life, replaced with music about God's love for me that I never thought I would enjoy. God has done this in my life, and he continues to guide me along paths of which I cannot see the ends. After six hard miles, we have made it to camp exhausted. After eating, we quickly fall asleep. As we continue our journey in the canyon each day, we find a steady pace and rhythm. Hike, rest, pictures, hike, eat, hike. We find a good place to set up our camp for the next two nights in the middle of a large flat area. And why not? No one else is around for miles. We haven't seen any other humans in 24 hours better not break an ankle. With no cell reception, if we have an emergency, it is truly an emergency. My mind flashes back to the preparation video the National Park had us watch before starting our backpacking trip. Essentially, they said, don't have an accident. We can't help you. Ah! The sun sets behind the cliffs high above us. Though there will be daylight left for hours, this is the way things are in the center of the canyon. It's almost feeling familiar here. As we approach the spot where we'll set up camp, we realize we're running low on water. It's decided that my father-in-law and I will take all our water containers called reservoirs and with headlamps switched on, walk down to the nearest water source. But there is some uncertainty tonight. Can we get water there? Every meal we cook requires water. Every time we brush our teeth requires water. Most of all, we must drink. Water becomes precious in the Grand Canyon. Water is life. Sir Ted, 
my father-in-law's nickname, and I carefully make our way down the rocky path in the dark. Don't fall, I tell myself. If we get hurt, the National Park Service assures us bad things will happen to us. Remember their video? Finally, we make it to the bottom near the trickle of water on the map. It's a lush oasis, but is there enough water? We begin to pull and push the handle of the tiny pump. Don't fail us, little pump. We need you. It always takes a while for water to make its way through all the tubing and the filter, then finally into the reservoir, even in normal watery conditions. But this seems to take longer than usual. At last, water flows through the tubes into our water containers. Life! We return to camp with a whoop, fists in the air, and we all rejoice together. Woohoo! The feeling is amazing and instantly bonding. We will live another day. We are in this together. Together. The third day promises adventure. After a quick breakfast and too many pictures of the sunrise to count, we begin our journey down to the Colorado River, the lowest point in the canyon. As we walk, we join up with a meandering creek and plants. Wait, plants? Yes, it looks lush down here next to this tiny trickle of water. We follow the leader, the water source, down to the Colorado River. We are amazed even to see medium-sized trees down here. It emphasizes the point that in the desert, water is life. Coming from the East Coast, where water is common as air, the dry, sun-baked browns and reds are unusual. For now, the mighty Colorado River rages before us. This river is a hot spot for whitewater rafting trips and other thrill seekers. For us, it feels mighty cold. But how often are you at the bottom of the Grand Canyon? We have to jump in, right guys? Guys? Looks like I'm the only one going in. Three, two, one. <sighs> ah, yikes, that's cold water. What was I thinking, I hate cold water. We wake up to our day of ascent. We won't climb all the way out of the canyon, but much of it. We are becoming proficient. Breakfast and packing up are quicker. The trail seems deceptively easy so far. It doesn't feel like we're climbing uphill at all. But a steep hill looms before us. This we must climb. And as we do, I find myself staring at the backs of someone's shoes right in front of my face. It is so steep at certain points. I keep glancing at the map. It shows an extremely challenging and dangerous section of the route we have been anticipating the entire trip. As we approach, it does not disappoint. The trail narrows near a corner. I try not to look over the ledge on our right. Even if I tried, I wouldn't be able to see the bottom. We've come too far to turn around now. The only way out of the canyon is to move forward. Leaning in toward the cliff face on our left, away from the ledge just inches to our right, we carefully step our way over the decrepit bridge, one by one. There is no room for error. If we slip, we will probably die after a long fall. Now it is my turn to cross. There is no time to think. I just need to start walking. 
I put one foot in front of the other and lean in toward the wall, away from the ledge. Surprisingly, my feet know what to do. I don't think. I just do what I've been doing every day before this. I walk on the path before me. I make it. I pass around the corner without slipping, then notice large boulders in front of me. But there is no time to stop, or I may slip and fall. I immediately climb. God sometimes does this. He is so good, helping us pass difficulties in our lives, and we are ready to rest, but something else comes up, and we don't have time to stop. We must keep going, keep trusting. Standing atop the rubble, I look back. I made it. One at a time, we all make it. Safe. One hour later, we arrive at our campsite, Yuma Point. We step out to a rocky point with a view of the Grand Canyon to the front, the left, the right, and almost every direction except directly behind us. It's breathtaking. It's amazing. Some of the most amazing scenery I've ever experienced. We see something unusual here. Another human. We have not seen one for three days. This man has already set up for the evening. We talk with him. He's from Phoenix, so he's local. Then he says something I won't ever forget. This is a special place on Earth. You can stay here at this campsite. I'll go to the next one. This man we just met is giving up the best campsite in the world. To us, so we can enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you. Years later, I still recall his words. This is a special place on earth. Dave, if you're listening, thank you for being so generous. And a world full of humans seeking the best only for themselves, you gave away the best to strangers. Your generosity made a special place on earth even more special. Another surprise awaits us up here at Yuma Point. On the map, there are no blue lines. There is no water. But... Huddled in the corners of shadows is frozen water, snow. We can melt it, filter it, and drink it. We will not run out of water. Thanks, God, for providing for us in a parched land. Friends, the Grand Canyon is a special place on Earth. I hope you have the chance to visit and maybe even stand on Yuma Point. But we don't need to wait for a Grand Canyon adventure to work together with those around us as a team. We don't need to wait for a special place on Earth to give something good away to someone else. We can share an adventure, work as a team, and be generous right now. Find someone who has a need and do good to them. Thank you for joining me on this Grand Canyon adventure. I'm loving this. I am convinced, however, that the best is yet to come. If you are enjoying this podcast, please leave a review, share with a friend, or consider becoming a Patreon. See the episode notes for a link to our Patreon page. Finally, Don't forget to check out Instagram and Facebook for pictures of our Grand Canyon adventure. I'm Moose Jaw Matt, your host and friend. Until next time, keep exploring. Hold on. My program director is trying to get my attention. What is she saying? No, I don't have a mystery hound. I prefer basset hounds. What What was that? Oh, mystery sound. Right, of course. We can't forget the mystery sound. I almost forgot. Well, you know, we might as well introduce a new guest here since we're interrupted anyway at the end of our show.
Come on over. It's okay. Don't be shy. Hello. Emma, are you ready to guess the mystery sound? Yeah, I'm ready. Here is the mystery sound, which is also a clue to our next episode. Emma, what did that sound like to you? It sounds like a cheeping bird. Like a cheeping bird? Mm-hmm. That's a fair response. I think I agree with you on that. Thank you for joining us, Emma. You're welcome. For real now, we're going to close this episode out. Cue the outro music. I'm Moose Draw Matt, still your host and friend. Until next time, keep exploring your world. Yes, we made it that time. It sounded like a cheeping bird. Say that again, but a little louder. It sounds like a cheeping bird. Not quite so loud. It sounds like a cheeping bird.